Hello, and welcome to The Feminine Gathering, a judgment-free and safe space to share stories of collective healing and to liberate the divine feminine within us. I'm Deborah, And I'm Gemma. We're your hosts, and together we've created this space to welcome you to listen and chat with us as we discover how feminine and masculine archetypes play a role in our lives as we navigate these energies together. We explore how to step into our personal power by expressing our authentic selves. The Divine Feminine has been suppressed for far too long, and it's time we come together to set her free. This is more than a movement. This is a paradigm shift. Thank you for joining us. And as this is our podcast launch, as a thank you, we're giving away one healing and coaching session with me, Gemma, and one tarot reading with Deborah. To enter the giveaway, all you need to do is take a screenshot of our podcast and tag us on Instagram at The Feminine Gathering, and we'll choose two lucky winners. In this episode, we talk about the importance of feeling safe in our environments, whilst we can also be triggered in our safe places. We reflect on how being conscious of these situations can help bring us to a healthier place mentally and emotionally working through the chaos to bring calm and ultimately more love and fulfillment in life. Honestly, the point you've just made about your husband, let's go back to that in a second. But yes. yes. How that environment, because it's all of the little aspects of the things around you, like the political environment, the social environment, emotional environment, all of the things that make up where you are, that are impacting right. your health on a daily basis. I'll share something in a sec that I wanted to talk about, but can you say that again, what you just said about your husband and what um, he's consuming in the news? Yeah, so my husband is just like the type of person that watches the news, right, and uh, gets uh, affected by it. And so (laughs) the other day he was just freaking out about like the news, like asking me, like, have you seen what's happening in Russia? Have you seen what's happening in Ukraine? And I'm like, no. (laughs) And he's so we have to find a bunker we need a plan b the world is gonna end and and i'm just like calm can you calm down (laughs) and i feel bad saying that because like i think he's very valid in having these feelings and i think it is very scary but like i just wish sometimes that he could like understand how much of it is sensationalized you know and not real like it's it's supposed to get you to feel that way it's supposed to like you know freak you out and it, because that's what n- most news is right it's sensational it's propaganda and so I just I don't know what he's watching so I can't really determine whether the validity of these things you understand but the way that he gets is is something that I just I don't understand because I don't get that way but like so it's one of those things where I'm like how do I how do I help him feel supported but also have him understand that I'm not feeling the same way and not make him feel like his feelings or thoughts are like not valid it's a very tough thing to do yeah because I guess as well, that's having an impact. Like when that comes, because it's in your home. So it's that, that's in your environment as well, isn't it? So although you're not watching it and consuming it, mm-hmm. that energy from the news and like the fear and uncertainty of what's happening in the world, 
whilst you might not be consuming it, you're consuming it kind of secondhand and from somebody that you love. And then that kind of draws a question, well, what impact then does that have on you, right, in your environment? I mean, I can definitely say that at the moment it is very, like, unsettling, you know, because the person that I love, like, you know, like what you're saying, the person that I love that I share a home with is really upset or anxious, you know, and he's really believing whatever it is that he's seeing and those emotions that he's experiencing are very real at that moment. And like part of me wants to just dismiss it and be like, stop being crazy, you crazy. But then at the same time, I know that it's he's not being crazy. Like, you know, he, again, very valid feelings, very okay to feel that way. How do I help him regulate that or like calm down from that and also feel supported and not ridiculed? And so like, I just have to, sometimes I'll just be like, okay, well, what did you see? Or what are they saying? You know, when's this all supposed to happen? And I have them like sort of talk through it. And I think that kind of helps him calm down. And then I tell him, well, okay, well, we have options. You know, I think one of his fears is being in the United States and not having an outlet, like where to go if anything happens. And I think he wants to be back home in the Dominican Republic when it does and then they talk about okay well what would be the plan if things do escalate to a point where you feel we need to evacuate and I think just talking about it kind of helps him feel better but I can't say that at the moment when it happens it's just all like whoa whoa what's happening (laughs) like I'm just I'm just working or I'm just reading this article on like you know spirituality or whatever it is that I'm doing and then he just comes in and freaks out I'm like okay let's do this (laughs) so it's interesting do you feel like that is there anything is there anything in your environment or is there anything that you feel kind of triggers that sort of response in you when it comes to like your environment I would say so because I don't watch the news so for me it isn't about these sort of external factors of the world so much because I do try Mm. and separate myself from it there's only so much of that you can do because you do hear about it from somewhere and there's always that as a topic of conversation I think for me my biggest triggers emotionally are more around sort of family and relationships so like if something was Mm -hmm. threatened in my family or with one of my friendships or relationships would be when I when my stress response gets heightened And what's really interesting and something I'm even observing just speaking to you. um, So before we jumped on our um, recording episode today, I was looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which Mm -hmm. essentially it's like a it's basically a pyramid. And at the bottom of that pyramid, you've got uh, I'm just going to get up in front of me, actually. You've got physiological needs, which is like the simple needs like food and water, and they're your basic primary needs. And then safety. Um, you can think about safety like uh, security, having a safe home, a bed to sleep in, a secure job, secure income, like living in a safe town. And right. then you have love and belonging, which is like our you know innate need to like be loved and to belong, which is something we all share. And what's really interesting, I've just noticed that like from the differences of where we are most likely to be triggered we've just gone from like thinking about our environment and what keeps us safe as being the trigger point moving us to a time that we need to regulate and then Mm -hmm. 
that love and belonging being something that triggers me to sort of need to take myself away and re-regulate is that even a word Mm self-regulate because that response has been triggered so I I was looking at this kind of like hierarchy of needs and then thinking well what needs to how do we meet our needs in our environment you know what does our environment consist of and how much are we even consciously questioning that like with your husband is there a question of like what needs are being met by being consumed with the news for example and and a lot of the fear that is going on in the country and like I say I know it's hard to completely turn off from it but what need is being met there and like how how could that need be met in a healthier way I do believe a lot of this is unconscious right like we are like programmed now to turn on the news every single morning almost and like look for our phones and if anything like um the pandemic has heightened that need right to know what's going on in the world but then I I asked you know everyone really like what if I'm curious like what need does that mean you know it's funny I have asked my husband that like why do you feel like you have to be constantly watching the news because I mean we're like completely opposite in that aspect like I don't watch the news I feel like I'm the type of person that says if it's important enough I will hear about it do you understand like if it's really a big thing trust me there's so much there's so many news outlets and so many ways that information gets around I'm going to know right especially through social media but I don't actively watch the news I refuse to and he actually does actively watch the news and so I've asked him like what is it about the news that you feel like you need to watch and he's just like I just gotta know I need to know what's happening in the world like this is cultural like this is what I've done always like it's it's also like a culture like what you said it's it's already part of the programming for him like when he was younger he watched the news too his father was a, a big military man in the Dominican Republic like it's just part of what they do and like he feels that if he doesn't watch the news he's uninformed of the world issues and then I tell him I'm like right it's good to be informed but to what extent is that information causing you all this anxiety and is that even worth it because can you do anything about the things that are happening in the news at the moment like can you what are you going to do about Ukraine and Russia at the moment? Like, can you fight for them? Are you going to fight for them? Will you be willing to fight for them? Are you like, I don't know, conducting some sort of scientific experiment or investigation so that you can help with the, the crisis that Ukraine is experiencing? Like, you know, like all these things. Like, And so I'm like, I get your concern. And I think that's good to be concerned and good to be good to want to be informed but when do you cross the line to when this information is becoming a detriment to your mental health? And that's like, he hasn't really been able to answer that for me. That makes sense. I mean, I'm, I'm going to refer back to the pyramid, right? Because at, right. The, top, at the top of the pyramid is like self-actualization, which mm-hmm. essentially is like your growth, your awareness, your beliefs, your values, things that come into your life. Right. But often well in in the case in terms of like from a psychological perspective the way that our brains work and how they're formed you know as children we adopt these values and beliefs from a very unconscious level you know from our environment from our parents from our friends from our families you know as babies before you know before we can even speak or 
eat we're like <laughs> we're, we're influenced by our environmental factors right and that right. just continues to adapt as we get older and then it gets to a point in our life where all of these they're essentially become programs and those programs are our beliefs they are what we value and therefore why would we want why would anybody change that if it threatens change something at an environmental level if it threatens their overall belief systems their overall values and I think the identification of that as well so like if you believe and I'm being quite subjective here and we're using your husband as, as an example so I hope yeah. you don't mind Leo <laughs> oh no I'm <laughs> sure he'll be okay <laughs> <laughs> I just it makes me curious if that connection from what you've just explained like this is what I've always done so that's the overarching belief right this is what I've always done and that's how he's informed so that's meeting his need of information and you mentioned something there about family connection as well which is interesting so it's mm -hmm. it's kind of meeting a different need than perhaps of like the love and you know belonging and, and safety of a family by being informed and then there's that sense of community right of being informed about the wider community of the world and what's happening right and it's all very valid and I think there's an extra there's an extra layer too there when you when you talk about family and his connection to his father because his father has passed he's he passed back oh he passed away back in 2013 and I think that that's something it's a very strong connection I think that he has with his father this sense of like staying informed and maybe this ritual that they had um to watch the news or or just like honoring him and his and his memory by you know uh still practicing this like being informed by watching the news like there's definitely some deeper layers to that for sure i just don't think that he is conscious of it and if he is he's just and not you know he just hasn't he hasn't expressed it and so that you make a very good point for sure and that's okay you know and I think if people are we're mostly unconscious beings aren't we I think there's a fact that we spend 80 percent something like that 80 percent of followers in an unconscious <laughs> competent frame of mind where we're just on autopilot you know we're not entirely consciously thinking about what we're doing so we're just sort of doing it habitually and obviously, if, and there'll be a lot of that program that's okay, and we're okay with how, you know, we meet those needs. So I guess the flip side of that is, well, what about something that is inherently healthy, whether that's something that has been always healthy or something that we've consciously gone out and made healthy, right? And if we go back to mm -hmm. then thinking about environment, I mean, the first thing that springs to mind for me when I think about environment is like my physical space around me. Like right. that's everything. Like if I'm, if I have access to like a nice kitchen that's clean, I'm more likely to eat healthy food and cook dinner as opposed to go out to eat. Just like mm -hmm. if I'm in a healthy environment consistently and I'm not having to travel all the time, then I'm more likely to eat well too because I don't just need to eat fast food because I'm on the go. So like environmentally then, that's a real big factor. And I remember like reflecting on my life like seven years ago when, or even like pre-pandemic, like probably three, four years ago, I used to travel up and down the UK for work to meet clients face-to-face -face, almost on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so my environment was like forever changing. There was no, 
there was no real stability in terms of where I was, like where I was staying. Like I was staying in nice places, like lovely hotels, and I was able to eat out and have great things around me. But they were all, it wasn't actually healthy, you know, because mm. I, was, I was constantly in this kind of fight, flight, freeze response of like having to get to the next meeting. Oh, I need to grab something to eat. So it was very fast on the go, grab and go. And that, and my body has physically paid the price for that, you know. And on the flip side now, if I compare it to my life for various reasons, definitely being more consciously aware, I'm able to order in like healthy food and cook and, you know, not have that need to eat out constantly because I'm on the go and I'm not as stressed so I can be more conscious of the, just the food that I'm eating. And I honestly, like I hear myself and I just feel like this stuff seems so basic, but until there's I love this quote by Carl Young that says until you make the unconscious conscious it will direct yeah. your life and you'll call it fate right and even at that very basic level no, it's not basic at all it's everything you know how your environment affects you it's like you can't move I think part of Maslow's theory is that you can't move to the next level until that real that boundary or those habits have become ingrained at the bottom of that pyramid so my question for everybody listening really is if we're thinking about environment and then having to move up that pyramid from environment to safety to love esteem and then self-actualization how are you meeting those needs in a healthy way so like what in your environment is serving you that healthy right now how are you meeting that need does anything come up for you from that I mean that's very interesting. I was just thinking about the the order of the of the pyramid, and so you said that at the top is the self act actualization. And I guess my question is, what does it mean then to be self actualized after you meet all those needs? You know, like what? How do? Because I mean, for me, it might mean one thing, but doesn't? Is there like a a general definition as per Maslow, let's say, as to what that means for an individual after meeting those needs like how does that go I guess that's my question yeah of course I think that the self-actualization is that sense of self-fulfillment you know that your purpose you know there's a lot of talk around fulfilling your purpose or your dharma or your reason being here um and in, in some aspects that sounds quite you know in our language perhaps quite spiritual and isn't that where we all want to be you know we all want this sense of fulfillment in our lives and I I think that comes naturally as as we get older I mean it certainly did for me I don't think I was ever really aware of what fulfillment was until I was maybe like in my mid-20s and that was became part of what was around me and in, in my environment and again it's about being conscious of it right because if we're not conscious of our actual needs for growth and our need for um, you know connection with ourselves and with a higher self that self-actualization that higher purpose higher self etc if we're not conscious of that then we're always going to be in this loophole right of meeting our needs at a physiological safety esteem sense and maybe not in a healthy way and I do I do believe that our world at the moment is pretty much conditioned for us to not meet those needs in a healthy way so we have to be conscious of meeting them in a healthy way in order to meet ourselves in a way that's fulfilling so 
I find this very interesting and 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 I'm like like my brain is just like going a hundred thousand miles a minute because at the bottom of the pyramid you said it was what again physiological so that's like your environment so like your physical environment your physical environment like um the yeah, like food water okay your home Basically. and then after that and then it's safety so things like security safety certainty having a secure home maybe a better sleep in a secure job income living in a safe part of town you know okay. feeling safe and then after that it's love yeah love and belonging and these are just my words this is my interpretation in terms of what this means but yeah so love like how we have a deep we all have a deep innate need to be loved um and that might be our social circles you know our friendships our relationships with our partners with our families so I mean I just find it so interesting because I feel like the first two are more like set in the material right what do you have that makes you feel secure what do you have that makes you feel like you won't go hungry or what do you have that makes you feel sheltered Mm. and I think those are all very fundamental basic human needs and rights to a certain extent right yeah and then then you go into love and relationships and I think that's where I'm like whoa hold on this is getting tricky now because love and relationships is completely subjective, right? Like, I mean, yeah, you have family and you have friends, but just because you have family and friends doesn't necessarily mean that your need for love and belonging is going to be met, right? And so at some point, your self-actualization is going to depend heavenly on how you perceive your need to be loved and your need to belong. Like the other stuff, let's say, is is checked off because I feel like again basic needs everybody in this life at some point is going to look for some sort of stability or security or home or secure food right not that everybody has access to it and I totally understand that so I'm not necessarily speaking about people who don't have access to these things I mean we already know that they're going through hell basically, if you don't have access to these things. So that's just like a whole nother level and a whole nother monster to deal with. So you can't, so we can already assume that by them not being able to obtain these basic human needs, they're never really going to self-actualize, right? So like that, that's the assumption. But then the rest of us who do meet these basic needs, the tricky part is this idea of love and belonging. And so it, your self-actualization rests heavily upon your interpretation of that or your perception of that. And that also rests heavily on your love of self and confidence and everything of self is how I see it, right? Because I feel like the more confidence and love and compassion and forgiveness that you have for yourself will reflect in the relationships with others and therefore will also determine the relationship that you have with yourself and your own self-actualization right and that's very conscious like that has to be that has to come from a very conscious level of your mind and it's just very interesting and I just wonder if that's where people really struggle which I think I just answered my question I think I think that is where people often struggle I completely agree and I you've 
just said that so beautifully and honestly I, I think that like you said that consciousness of the need for love mm-hmm. but those two basic needs that we spoke about at the, at the beginning the physiological and the safety they're like primal needs like if we look right. back to like animals you know mammals like they're, they're primal needs of all mammals right not just humans mm-hmm. But what makes us different as humans is our emotional needs, right? And love Mm -hmm. is an emotional need and it's a need that we all have. So how we meet that need and how that helps with self-actualization is definitely a question of consciousness. For me personally, I mean, in my own journey, I the love for me wasn't about just having friends and family and people around me because I had all of that in abundance but I never felt truly connected I never felt like I truly belonged and I do believe that that need for love is really also about that need for belonging and I do think that is one of our biggest emotional needs as humans and because I didn't feel a sense of belonging so I didn't have that sense of self I was outsourcing that to so many other things that were external to me you know I used to drink a lot of alcohol like I used to do drugs and I I was so uncomfortable sitting in a room and being by myself with myself let alone sober that I had to I had to numb everything you know Mm -hmm. and then this alternative persona came out who wasn't really me but that's who I had to be to feel like I belonged in a room with people that I knew and didn't know and that was the truth, right? And for various reasons, like I didn't have much self-esteem. I didn't really value myself. I was most definitely in a trauma response. I was stuck in a kind of in, in freeze and, and fight for the most part. And and that fawning response as well, like the people pleasing, because I just didn't know who I was. And it wasn't really until I started journey if you like you know in the self-development world and and reading a lot and listening to to other people and becoming more conscious of the choices I was making that I realized that and I think one of the biggest realizations I ever had was that everybody actually has this same fear you know we all fear the same things we all fear that we're not good enough that we won't be loved and actually the turning point there became more for me when I was able to turn to myself with self-compassion and learn how to love myself and to sit with these feelings and this real desire to sort of change and then it was about well how do I meet that in, in, in a healthy way and now I would say that like my relationships the people around me are people I really want in my life and I can really nourish nourish or nurture for a better word that relationship with Mm -hmm. the people I want rather than being in a room for the people I don't really want to be around anyway just because I was too damn scared to sit and be by myself because I was just in so much pain I didn't know how and this goes back to self-regulation like I never knew how to regulate and so I numbed I mean that's the question right how do you regulate when you have all these conflicting emotions and negative thoughts that just permeate your head all the time right especially when it comes to your own self-worth or your value like how do you self-regulate if you aren't consciously aware of your own debilitating um, perspective of yourself which is a big question and like you said I think a lot of people just tend to uh, numb it right and I feel like I'm thinking about me 
uh, how did I do this? I think, honestly, for me, I drank. So I would drink, but I never was like, I got to drink to numb my feelings. Like I just drank because I was in the social setting. And I do remember getting very upset with myself when I passed the limit and I couldn't remember certain things. Like you know, when you get to that drunk limit where you don't remember, I really, the few times that it did happen, I was always very upset with myself because I didn't like to lose control and like not know what happened. So there was something about that. But then there was also this idea of like escaping. So that's very, um, I guess the, the trend, right? Which is you work hard and play hard. So you work Monday through Friday, maybe Friday nights and Saturday nights, you're just out partying and like drinking and just having a good time with friends. Like I felt like that's definitely what I did to help me get away from whatever was happening in my life at the moment. And at that moment, I was working part-time, a couple of jobs. I was also going to school full-time and then I was having issues at home. And so it was just like all of that coming together. I couldn't wait for Friday or Saturday to come to just hang out with my friends and be with my family and, you know, forget that life existed for a while. And then when everything came back, I was very good at not paying attention to my emotions or like what it is I was feeling and just completely focusing in on work, just whatever it was. If it was schoolwork, it was schoolwork. And I excelled at that. If it was work work, I just, it was just like responsibility met like, and whatever responsibility I had always trumped whatever it was that I was feeling. And I would just hide it and put in a little box and then I'd go out and then I'd go out and I'd party pretty hard like I mean not like crazy there's some people who party all weekend but like enough that you know it was definitely a thing and I just never took a moment to stop and think of where this all was coming from or why I was doing this and it's like you said it's just so it's so oh my god what, what would be the word so it's just part of our culture it's just part of our environment it's part of the society that we live in like that's just the norm that's what you do. You don't really sit with your feelings and like try to like understand them. You drink them away and pretend that they don't exist and keep working. As long as you keep working, you're fine. You're contributing and you're good, you know? It's yeah, scary. I think I definitely think culture is a huge part of the place in that, especially in that environmental sense, because your your culture is part of your environment, right? So, and as you said, like how, how it, we're not conscious of the behavior, are we? Like when we... No. Like if I look back and even like I'm I'm conscious of it now, like I'm very aware of when because I still I'm not like I haven't I've changed my life, yeah, but like I you know, I still drink alcohol. I'm not um like I'm not completely sober. Mm-hmm. And I'm very aware that when I'm triggered by something, I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to get a bottle of wine, I'm going to numb my feelings. <laughs> but you know, before when I was doing this in real excess and in an unconscious way, I just simply wasn't aware of it. It was like mm-hmm. unconscious incompetence, like you don't know what you don't know. Like I wasn't aware, and I'm sure the same for you, that we were doing this to necessarily numb ourselves. You know, we're not consciously numbing at that stage. And you're right, like the culture around you, like it sounds like for both of us, wasn't people trying to have healthy conversations and set healthy boundaries and like self-regulate. But somewhere along the line, I was able to go and find that. And that's the thing, you know, when we talk about self-regulation I feel like it isn't it isn't mainstream culture 
but there is a culture out there. I mean, I'm surrounded by it now. Like my entire social media feeds are, you know, to do with psychology and spirituality and ways that essentially we we can regulate, you know, like breath work and meditation and reading and being with nature and all these ways that actually regulate our nervous system. And there is a culture out there. And I, I think it's so important to heighten the awareness of the fact that there is another way. Like it doesn't have to be this one paradigm that everybody is aware of and knows because of mass culture, which isn't essentially serving us. Right. And then the question is, when do you understand that? When do you understand that the culture you participate in really isn't serving you, you as an individual and your highest good? And then how do you disconnect from that to a point where like you're still part of it because you need to be part of it but at the same time it's not you know affecting you in an unhealthy way and so I know for me when it comes to self-regulation and like society it I've had to determine what aspects of society when it comes to work when it comes to friendships when it comes to family when it comes to my role like what aspects of this makes me feel anxious or makes me feel scared or makes me feel unworthy or what is it about my environment that you know I doubt and things like that it's like it's, it's, it's a very again it's a process but it was slowly removing the things that I feel didn't serve me from my immediate environment and then choosing when to interact with the bigger environment as to how or as to like when I had to participate in, let's say, a party or a social drinking or a gathering sort of situation. And, you know, understanding how much of that I could handle before it was too much for me to handle. You understand? It's like understanding my own boundaries and my own limitations and what I'm willing to keep in my life and what I'm not willing to keep in my life and sort of how that has helped me regulate myself a lot because if it's not in my immediate environment you know out of sight out of mind you understand and it's not affecting me so then I only have to worry about what is in my immediate environment right now my immediate environment is my home my daughter and my husband right and so if anything inside my immediate environment is like affecting me, then it, obviously if it's husband or, or daughter, it's, it's you, you deal with it differently. It's like, you know, they're human, right? So you don't remove it. You just, you, you discuss these things. But like, if it's things at home, like if it's clutter, you know, so that's something that really like freaks me out. Like I can't have clutter in my house. And if I do, it's just like, okay, remove this and then I'll feel better. You know, and then when it comes to the other external things like family and friends or work, you know, again, there's certain things I can't do about work because it's work. Well, then how do I disconnect from that in a way where I don't take it personally and understand work is work? And then that helps me regularly, like understanding it's not personal. And then with family and friends, it's the same same thing. And then choosing what activities I should participate in or not participate in, depending on my energy or mood, you know? But it's a process because I don't think you inherently know these things. It's sort of like trial and error. You just have to figure out what works for you and everybody's different. Absolutely. I I, I see even the beginning of 
the question of what you asked there around like at what point do you become able to self-regulate and be aware of that situation mm-hmm. and then that, that immediately springs to the top of that pyramid because that is the self-actualization right right there's this self-realization that this isn't what I want you know like this isn't healthy or I want something else for my life and whatever that turning point might be where we say no this isn't what I want anymore or whatever x y and z isn't serving me that is the self-actualization right that is the point of maybe that we don't begin to self-regulate but we have self-actualized um and then we become aware and I think once we're aware of these things we can learn anything you know our brains are one of the most powerful powerful um organs like in this entire solar system like it's insane like we we can relearn we can reprogram we can make the unconscious conscious we can you know direct our life in any way that we want and we can almost go through every layer like of that pyramid and say okay like what do I want my environment to be like how do I want to be safe how do I meet my needs for love in a healthy way what do I want to give you know how do I learn about self-esteem I mean I never went on a journey to learn per se specifically but it became a Mm. part of everything along that journey and self-regulation was a part of that you know it was was a piece of the jigsaw puzzle for me that I had no idea like I didn't know that I didn't know how to self-regulate until I come to find that I needed to find an alternative way to meet my needs that I was getting from alcohol from other substances, from unhealthy relationships, you know, we can meet these needs in ways that are toxic in various ways, you know, like, and it had to, for me, it was then a question of, well, how do I meet that need better? And how do I meet that need in a healthy way? And being able to regulate actually is about coming out of that fight, flight, freeze response. So you're not immediately turning to that numbing substance or the environmental factor that, we absolutely don't want to be a part of anyway I mean corporate culture is another one right if you were talking there about work and yeah there's aspects of our life that we we need a certain level of income in order to kind of meet our safety needs and the need Mm -hmm. for food and water right and I guess it's like if you can't change it can you be okay with it Mm -hmm. and uh, I know for sure like for me in my experience and like corporate culture there is that need of like don't stop just keep going but it's mm-hmm. like, where does that come from? Is that not just this need of like, we fear that we're not enough and so we overexert and overgive? Like, who's even telling us to do that? We're just telling ourselves, right? That's a good question. I mean, I think it all comes from capitalism. <laughs> but <laughs> that's like a whole nother that's thing. Culture. <laughs> yeah. That's like I a whole nother thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I think my gosh it's at the end of the day I feel like if you're in survival mode it's gonna be really really hard to get into the self-actualization mode and that's why I feel in the bottom part of the, the pyramid I was thinking about people who don't have access to these things how hard it is for like how hard is life like life is already hard right and then Imagine people in the world who don't have access to those two bottom aspects of the pyramid who are just constantly in survival mode, who never really get to the questions of love and belonging or self-actualization because at some point it becomes, that's like a privileged thing. You understand? 
And it just makes me think like, oh my God, like how privileged are we? And then we're here crying in our corners. Not that it's not okay. I'm just saying like, it's just, it just gives you just a whole different perspective of life. Like, oh my gosh, like we really are in a better position than we tend to think that we are. You understand? And not that anybody's um, experiences is not valid and everybody has the right to cry in their corner. I've cried in closets. My sister can tell you, you understand? But it's just like one of those things where you're just like, I'm so grateful that I am able to have this conversation and I'm so grateful that I'm able to think about these things and I'm able to, you know, get to this point where I feel more self-actualized because when I do think about others who aren't able to get out of that survival mode, it really is disheartening, you know, and you just have to be aware and conscious of that too, of your, your, I guess, status. I don't know if that's the right word, but know where you are in life and say thank you for that opportunity because not everybody really has it so all this has made me think about that so thank you for that it's really eye-opening I think something that's so beautiful about this as well and you say the word gratitude it Mm -hmm. is a sense of gratitude for everybody that has the ability like when we are grateful we are are changing the neural pathways of our brain like Mm -hmm. we can't be in fear and be grateful at the same time right Right. and Mm -hmm actually if we can be grateful for our own lives and think about what we can give to other people that are in survival mode and that's not to say that we don't go back there ourselves like it's innate in all of us you don't reach self-actualization and then never go back into survival like oh my goodness I I go into fight flight freeze all of the time but Mm -hmm. the tools that I have now enable me to self-regulate and to come out of that in a way that's in, in quicker and healthier and really like there's tools out there that we can all share and help other people with right because if people are really in like stuck in survival and maybe something that they need is like it's just somebody to sit and talk with them or listen with them or to give them the tools to actually come out of survival and that's things like meditation you know the brain's capacity to to regenerate and be rewired is it's proven that meditation can do that after just eight weeks of consistent meditation. And that can change the direction and trajectory of somebody's entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think meditation is so powerful. I'm actually going to record a meditation and I'd love to share it with anyone that's oh listening to like our podcast, yes. because I, for me, meditation was one of the most, I didn't even realize like, wow, how much self-actualization you can get from regulating yourself through meditating and just from taking a few deep breaths you know we all have this power inside of us you know I love the quote all I have is within me now and it really is Mm -hmm. like regardless of what state you're in whether you're in survival or thriving you have the power inside of you everything you need that breath the redirection of your thoughts all of us have that power inside us it's how we harness that how we're aware of how we use it I think that's the magic. Absolutely. I love that. I do. And I think it's also important to understand too, that when you do reach this top of the pyramid of self-actualization, I think it's a sort of like a lifelong thing. You understand? You don't just stop self-actualizing. Like, and I think that's a, it's probably an assumption that some people have like, oh, like I'm conscious. That's great. I'm done. Like, no, now the real work begins. <laughs> you understand? Like now it's, 
now it's a uh, now it's real just it's constantly you know self-actualizing and tweaking and just learning and unlearning and just doing it again like you said you know we we go through cycles and it's I hope that people understand that too that once you self-actualize that first time it's the beginning of many to come <laughs> I couldn't agree more and each time you go back through the pyramid I guess you, it can just get better and better you know there's mm-hmm. so much out there there's an abundance of of life and happiness and you know we really can create anything we want and yeah I completely agree you just get more work to do and it's it's great I always use the analogy of like walking through Narnia it's like once you know once you've been to that wardrobe and you know Narnia's there you can never not know (laughs) you can never now not know about Narnia I love that though Narnia (laughs) oh my god brings back nice memories (laughs) Narnia that's true so yeah that's how I feel about consciousness and self-actualization that's my analogy of the day so yeah I mean oh it's been such a delightful conversation I just yeah if this resonates with people if there's any input that you'd like to share in particular around Maslow's hierarchy of needs and that just conscious awareness and how you're meeting the needs on that pyramid or any stories you'd like to share would absolutely love to hear from you as always definitely we'll be here to listen thank you so much for listening thank you Thank you for sharing this space with us today. And if we've resonated with you, we'd love to know. And if you enjoyed listening, please subscribe. And you can find us on Instagram at The Feminine Gathering. And remember, as this is our podcast launch, we are giving away one clarity coaching or healing session with Gemma and one tarot reading with me, Deborah. To enter the giveaway, all you need to do is take a screenshot of our podcast and tag us on Instagram and we'll choose two lucky winners. And until then, let's continue to navigate this new paradigm together.